Welcome to the Dynasty Freaks podcast with your host, Justin Christopher. For free rankings, player values, waiver wire tips, and trade advice, follow him online at dynastyfreaks.com or email dynastyfreaks at gmail.com. Hello and greetings from Austin, Texas. Welcome all of you Dynasty Freaks. Admit it, it's okay. You're addicted to Dynasty. I am too. My name is Justin Christopher and I am a Dynasty Freak. That's a freak with two E's. It's a long explanation. Anyway, I love the NFL, watch every game every week, love drafting, trading, scouting, managing all of my teams 365 days a year. So do you. So let's talk some Dynasty. Here's what we have in store for today on episode number 61 of the podcast. Uh, Week two is in the books, and so what we're going to go through is some of my overall impressions from week number two after watching all the games, and just make some comments on the Dynasty and the NFL transactions that were made uh, throughout the league this week. Man, just got finished watching the Thursday night game. It was pretty uh, pretty fun, even though it was two boring teams. Jacksonville is much more interesting now, aren't they, with a little Gardner Minshew. The new era has begun. I uh, actually picked him up in one of my leagues last uh, last week on off the waiver wire. and be pretty fun to see uh, what happens with him. And more impressive, of course, is uh, DJ Chark. Just comes out of nowhere this year. Um, I definitely admit that I was not high on him in the draft process a year ago, and did not think that he would do what he's doing right now, so pretty impressive by him. So I'm going to talk through some of my uh, overall observations from week number two. Uh, we'll look at some of the waiver wire suggestions that I noticed in my leagues this week, as well as some trades, and also talk just about some of the news from the week. So let's hop right in. Week number two in review. Top five observations overall. First observation is that uh, week number two is Team course correction. This is a course correction week. Uh, week one always causes like a ton of overreactions, right? You have all these expectations. You've been waiting and waiting, and you've got everything all kind of built up for what you think will happen. Week number one happens, and things don't go as you suspect, and so it causes a lot of overreactions. But, you know, you're a dynasty freak. You're smart. You stay, stu- you stay uh, calm and wait because after week number two, you see there is quite a bit of course correction, and you know it's a long season with many data points to come. So many teams and players that had uh, that gave us great concern in week number one really had bounce back weeks in number two. Uh, even slight ones like Jameis Winston, like he's not going to lose his job. <laughs> He'll get comfortable in the Arians offense. He improved a lot coming into week number two. You think about Matt Ryan and Julio Jones, who I own a ton of. Uh, they did their normal thing this week after looking totally pathetic in uh, week number one. Although their offensive line is still a mess. Uh, more on that to come here in one of my other points. I uh, think about Green Bay's offense. They can move the ball just fine, and they can score when they're not playing Chicago in Chicago on opening night. Or you think about Jimmy G and the 49ers offense. Uh, the fact is that they can score and win games without needing defensive touchdowns like they needed in week number one. Uh, Shanahan gets fantasy value out of literally any running back that comes into his system. Or you think about course correction with, like, Lamar Jackson. He is still going to run the ball. He didn't in week number one, but he sure did in week number two. If you're going to make him beat you on the ground, he will beat you on the ground. And so each week of the NFL gives us more data points to help solidify player value. So don't overreact. Just remember, there's a lot of more data points to come before you really need to react. Give it, give it a couple more weeks. Second major point, and this is probably the biggest thing that happened this last week, is quarterbacks are falling quarterback fallout has just been amazing over these last two weeks and particularly this last week this is the biggest news by far so Sam Darnold of all things gets mono and is going to be out looks like four weeks 
Then his backup, Trevor Simeon, busts his ankle like right away in that game Monday night. Ben Roethlisberger injures his elbow and has surgery this week. He's gone for the season. Drew Brees injures his thumb, has surgery this week, and is out five to six weeks. Cam Newton hurts his foot. Looks like he's not likely to play this week. And if you add to all those injuries, uh, the Andrew Luck retirement, the Nick Foles injury from last week, and the fact that Daniel Jones is now replacing Eli Manning, that means that 22% of teams are starting quarterbacks that they did not intend to start three weeks ago. 22%. Like that's You could basically say a quarter of the league is starting quarterbacks this week that they did not plan on starting just three weeks ago when they were getting ready for the season. So this is really brutal because it's destroying a lot of value of and impact of uh, players since, of course, offensive production is so directly tied to the quarterback. So we've got 25% of the league, basically, with a new quarterback. And so this is hurting a lot of our player value and making it hard uh, in our dynasty um, values to figure out where players go. So that was number two observation from the week. Third observation from the week, uh, sorry if this one hurts you, but defenses and kickers are the worst and the best. Like, I know many people prefer to play in leagues without kickers and defenses, but I actually enjoy them. Uh, weeks like this, however, are a great argument against me, <laughs> for sure. Kickers were the worst this week. Uh, they missed so many field goals and so many extra points and so thus missed a lot of fantasy points and or got negative points, depending on how you, the league rules are for your, your leagues. Like if you get negative points for missed field goals or extra points, uh, you had some bad kickers this week. And, of course, on the defensive front, man, if you played against the New England defense like I did in three different leagues, you lost, <laughs> just like I did. It's ridiculous that New England scored 40 to 50 points against me in the three leagues that I played against them this week. Stupid defense that gets a shutout and two defensive touchdowns and just destroys Miami. Uh, pretty frustrating. For the rest of the season, whichever defense plays against the Dolphins, I think it's probably like assured 25 to 50 points. And now, of course, the Dolphins' name rose in the starter, so, well, it didn't really matter. He or Fitzpatrick are going to keep throwing interceptions and just going to look awful. And so, hey, my Cowboys get him this week. I've got, that, I've got Dallas defense in one league, and I'm a Cowboy fan, so i got that going for me. Defenses and kickers uh, are quite a drag unless you're on the positive side of that. Fourth observation that I had for the week overall is that offensive lines are killing running backs. Uh, several teams have just horrendous offensive lines, and they're killing their running backs. Joe Mixon has no chance in Cincinnati. He has 27 total yards rushing this year. Now, he has had an ankle injury, so he's been out just a little bit, but still, 27 rushing yards in two games. Think about Washington, the Redskins. They really need Trent Williams to come back. Washington is averaging 37 yards rushing per game. 37, that's crazy. Adrian Peterson's too old to create his own yards. Uh, Geis is hurt already. And so Chris Thompson really is but the, probably the back to own there in Washington because of his reliability in the passing game because they simply cannot run behind this line. And then finally, uh, Devontae Freeman. Uh, he can't do anything in Atlanta as long as the their two rookie linemen are injured. Like, they draft two rookie linemen. They know it's a need. They know it's something they need to address, and the poor guys get hurt. And so Atlanta, or Freeman, has only had 41 yards rushing in two games, and I don't see this changing uh, at all. So those are some of my top four overall observations for the week. Now let's move on to talking about just some of the injuries and the impact that they have on players 
Of course, we had some big injuries this week, uh, chief of which were these two quarterbacks, Drew Brees. My opinion on this is that everyone in New Orleans needs to be downgraded for sure, but I don't think as much as people think because I really believe in Sean Payton. I think that he'll be creative enough to keep Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara productive at least. I'm not sure about the other uh, receivers there in um, in New Orleans. Not sure what this means exactly for Cook, but I believe that Thomas and Kamara are the two biggest fantasy assets there. Do deserve a little downgrade, but they're still going to be okay. Uh, the Saints defense is playing awesome this year, and if they keep games close, I think that's going to give Peyton the freedom uh, to have a healthy run-pass ratio and keep Bridgewater and or Payson, Taysom Hill, if he ends up playing a lot too, from having to win the game. So I, I kind of trust here in uh, Peyton and hope that he can kind of keep this offense viable you know, during this next uh, stretch before Brees comes back. Ben Roethlisberger is the next injury, and he's actually actually gone for the year. And so uh, Mason Rudolph, he actually looked really good in his preseason and even looked good when he came in for the team um, here in this, this game after Roethlisberger was injured. Uh, Pittsburgh showed a lot of faith in Rudolph when they, na- when they kind of named him their number two, and they traded away uh, Josh Dobbs to Jacksonville. So that was a pretty definitive move on their part to say that we believe in this guy. Uh, he's been in Pittsburgh for a year, just over a year now, so he's got a lot of experience with the offense and understands the scheme. Um, they can build uh, plans around him this next week just because he kind of hopped into the fire, but now they're going to be able to say, okay, he's our starter for this week. Now we're going to build our game plan around what we think of his skills. And so I think he's going to even improve going into this next week. I'm more confident in uh, Rudolph to keep the Steelers players productive on the fantasy teams. What I suspect will happen is that James Conner and Vance McDonald will get a little bit more opportunities with, Ru- uh, with Rudolph than they would have had with Ben. Ben had this great you know, connection with Juju, and I felt like Juju is going to be the higher-targeted guy overall. So I do think Juju will lose some targets, but the, the targets will instead be kind of distributed a little bit more evenly. I think there will be a lot more passes to James Conner and uh, screen passes and such, and we already saw it in week when, when he came in in week number two here that Vance McDonald got two touchdown passes uh, from um, Rudolph. So... I think everyone's going to speculate, of course. It's already been happening a ton this week. If you listen, they're going to you know, think that he's going to target the heck out of his college teammate, James Washington, who likely is coming in after Moncrief definitely played his way back to the bench by looking awful in the first two weeks. So it is probably likely that James Washington's going to get a lot more play. But I kind of want to wait and see on that. I'm not going to jump totally into that narrative that just because they're college roommates and they did well in the preseason that's going to mean a lot for uh, the season when he hops in here, but I do think that Moncrief has played his way under the bench, and so Washington is going to get his chances, as will uh, Deontay Johnson. Third injury to report on is uh, kind of three and one Deshaun Jackson, Alshon Jeffrey, and Dallas Goddard. Man, Philadelphia was the walking wounded on Sunday night. These injuries thrust a Nelson Aguilar back to the spotlight, and he did awesome. It also gave JJ Arcega Whiteside who we call J-Jaw, and 93% of the snaps, uh, though he didn't do much at all with them. I would actually try to sell Aguilar, especially after this you know great game that he had. If he's to have one more great game, like if these guys are out um, and, and, and he becomes like the number one target this, for the second week in a row, I would really try to sell him. Um, I don't believe in his long-term dynasty value in Philadelphia. Um, I took these, uh, I, it took these injuries... 
uh, for him in week number one. He had two receptions, but now that these injuries last week, he had eight receptions in week two. I think when these guys get healthy, he's going to go back to being the third or fourth tar- target there, really probably the fourth target there in Philadelphia. And so, man, if he has another great game here in week number three, so his uh, second week to be like the leading target for Philadelphia while these guys are injured, I'd be trying to sell him if you have him. Plus, uh, the reason why is because I love J.J. I love J.J. Ortega-Whiteside. Uh, I think that he's the primary dynasty value among these wide receivers in Philadelphia. Granted, he did totally nothing on Sunday nights. So that was pretty disappointing. But I really believe that that's because he didn't practice with the first team, was unprepared to get literally 93% of the snaps. He, he did not expect that going into this game. And so now he's got a week of practice. I think that uh, this next week is going to be his breakout. And so if there's a chance that you could buy him, kind of hard to buy a rookie that people are still hopeful for and when he finally looks like he's going to get his opportunity. But um, I picked him up like in a trade last week and drafted him in a couple leagues as well. So I'm super excited to see what he does this week after a week of practice with the first team. Next injury was Michael Gallup. This was a real bummer for me as a Cowboy fan. Gallup was off to an incredible start uh, to the season. He could have easily moved into what I would say even like a top 30 range as a dynasty wide receiver. Um, he'll be back in a few weeks, um, pick right up where he's, he left off. In the meantime, what this means uh, for dynasty value is that, uh, one, the ghost of Devin Smith came out of nowhere to have a huge game last week, and it looks like he's going to play in place of Gallup while Cobb stays, on the, stays in the slot for Dallas. I don't think that Devin Smith uh, will get a huge you know, target share. We'll now get the same target share that Gallup had, um, so I'm not that eager to buy him. Um, though I did look for it a few times in a few weeks. I do believe that Cobb will actually get an increase in targets, though, and his value is going to go up just a bit. As for Dak Prescott, I think that he'll be just fine without Gallup. I don't think it'll affect his uh, dynasty value very much during these weeks while Gallup is out, but he sure looked good. So when Gallup comes back, uh, Dak's going to be just a tad better. If he can't be better already, he's already moved in, I think, into my top eight uh, quarterback rankings for dynasty value already. Next uh, injuries to talk about is Damian Williams and LaShawn McCoy. Man, this muddy backfield gets even muddier. Pretty frustrating. Uh, they're calling each of these guys, quote, day-to-day in their recovery. Uh, but fantasy owners, what we really want is we really want one of them to be ruled out. Like if one of them's ruled out, the other value, at least for a short time, would really spike. Ankle injuries and knee injuries tend to linger. So I would not plan to play either Williams or McCoy this week unless one of them's ruled out and I was like in a really big pinch. Of course, Darwin Thompson, the preseason riser, uh, he's only had 3% and 5% snap count the last two weeks, so not really being relied on. Uh, I'm not sure that Andy Reid is willing to thrust him uh, into the lineup, trusting him. So it could be that Darrell Williams uh, should be in the mix too. Uh, Sadly, I'd just say that we need to avoid this awesome backfield all the opportunities that they get until we get some clarity. Um, That's really sad to say because we all want a piece of Andy Reid's running backs, but right now it's too hard to know which one is going to be the most uh, targeted and get the most snaps. Let's move on now to waiver moves. So week number two, waivers are in the books. Hope that you had a great waiver week. Picked up the guys that you needed. Um, I'm going to list now uh, my top five waiver additions that I listed for this week, the guys that I went after. As a friendly reminder, I do play in Dynasty Leagues where 27 to 30 players are rostered. Uh, this, so this list is you know, the most players that I wanted to pick up in really deep leagues that have 27 to 30 players already rostered. 
just gives me a chance to talk about players. Uh, so I hope this helps you regardless of which league size you're in. Uh, but for me, in the 27 to 30 man rosters, these were the five players that I went after this week. Uh, first was Demarcus Robinson, and I have to say that this one really hurt. So when Tyreek Hill was under investigation for a time in the offseason, like way back in the offseason, even before he was suspended for a bit, um, I picked up Robinson in several leagues, just kind of reacted in the moment and said, hey, if Tyreek Hill's out, I'm going to go grab Robinson and picked him up in several leagues. But when it came time to cut back the rosters uh, just before the season started, I dropped Robinson in all of those leagues uh, since Hill was reinstated. I just thought they, Hill was reinstated. They drafted Nicole Hardman. Like, okay, I think I can just drop DeMarcus. And so I did. Thankfully, I was able to pick him back up in uh, one league. It's actually my worst league where I'm really struggling at running back. And I actually had the number one waiver position after an 0-2 start. And so I uh, was able to pick him up there. And then actually in my FFPC league, I actually bought him for $225 of my FFPC fab budget. It's a $1,000 fab budget. So I spent almost a quarter of my budget to pick up Robinson. Uh, after his seven, if his uh, seven catch, one hundred and seventy-two yard week was not enough, when I saw that he actually played ninety-one percent of the snaps opposite Sammy Watkins, and I heard this week that Mahomes was really speaking well about him and the chemistry that they developed over the off season, those things all the great week, uh, the news of Mahomes speaking well about him, um, and the fact that he got ninety-one percent, it was really clearly the number two wide receiver in the meantime while Tyree kills out, made me want to bid aggressively for him. So I bid aggressively for him and got him in uh, two leagues. Second player that was on my pickup list on the waiver wire this week was Mason Rudolph. As I already stated uh, before, I believe that Mason can really keep the Pittsburgh offense producing this season. I feel like he's worth holding too because who knows how long Roethlisberger uh, it will take him to completely heal or if he even can heal from the significant injury at his age, let alone the fact that Big Ben always talks about retiring. Uh, Now he's going to have... A long year to think about retiring, right? Rudolph could maybe actually help make his decision for him by playing well. What if Rudolph plays well and actually makes it easier for Roethlisberger to retire? I picked him up in one of my leagues at least. I put a couple bids on him, but I only got him in one. Third player that uh, was targeting on the waiver wire this week was Will Disley. Um, He was supposed to be injured. He kind of got injured in week one. We're like, oh, no, here we go again. But instead, he comes out and he scores two touchdowns last week. Um, he started incredibly hot last year, if you remember, uh, before he was lost to a season-ending injury. Um, I'm willing to pick him up and see. Uh, his snap counts were a little bit disturbing so far. He had 51% week number one, 59% week number two. So that concerns me a little bit. But I think that he may have caused uh, Pete Carroll, coach there in Seattle, to, to play him more after last week's performance. Um, I picked him up in one league and actually planned to start him uh, over Jared Cook, given the, the Breeze's injury. So I'm not sure what to think of Cook, and it could be that I actually choose to start Disley in one of my leagues this week. So he was my number three target. My number four target on the this week in the waiver wire was Ty Johnson. Um, I had Johnson as my number four uh, waiver wire priority, um, even before the news broke that C.J. Anderson was cut by Detroit. The fact was that he just looked better than C.J. Anderson, and he was clear that he would become the handcuff to carry on Johnson. Um, I remember his play at Maryland well because he tore up my Longhorns uh, two times that I watched. The guy really can play. Um, and if carry-on gets hurt, which happens often, Ty can be productive. Uh, sadly, I was unable to pick him up uh, this week. My buddy uh, Dave Brown sniped him from me in one league, 
and actually in a lot of leagues he was actually already rostered um, in the leagues where I was trying to target him. But uh, really believe in, in Ty Johnson and his value just rose given the uh, C.J. Anderson being cut. Number five is a guy that I never really bid on, but I put him as my number five target for this week was Teddy Bridgewater. Uh, like I said before, um, I trust in Sean Payton as a coach more than I do in Bridgewater as a player. Uh, but I did not make many bids on him this week. I'm a little concerned about him possibly spending time with uh, Taysom Hill, combined with the fact that Drew Brees is coming back in five to six weeks. So this isn't like the Mason Rudolph situation where you've got a guy for an entire year that could actually you know, beat out a guy that might retire. This is just kind of a short-term solution with Teddy Bridgewater because Brees is likely coming back from his uh, thumb surgery. Now, finally, we'll move on to some trades. I did have two trades in, in my leagues. This just gives me a chance to talk about player value each week when I talk about trades that happen in my leagues. Hopefully, every week there will be a trade in my leagues because I play in a couple of really good leagues where the uh, managers are super active. Uh, we've got two trades to report on. Uh, one was uh, Tyler Boyd was traded for Russell Wilson in a 2023rd. So this, this trade... Unfortunately, it was made by the poor guy that I traded Ben Roethlisberger to last week. So he trades for a quarterback in Roethlisberger who gets hurt. And so now he was kind of desperate looking for another uh, looking for another quarterback. So uh, I would not have made this trade um, because I, he still had Jared Goff on his roster. And I would have just stayed, stayed pat with Goff and been happy uh, to have Goff and maybe try to pick someone else up, even a Bridgewater or, or a uh, Mason Rudolph. And, and on the waiver wire and just hold with Goff. Um, this team really had good wide receivers on this team, so maybe he was more willing to deal Boyd, but I would not have sacrificed uh, that much uh, for Russell Wilson. Um, Boyd has, has a great future in Cincinnati. He's young. He's got this new offensive-minded head coach in Zach Taylor, and so I prefer Boyd to Russell Wilson in a 2023rd. Second one was pretty interesting. I wanted one trade in my league was DJ Chark, Raheem Mostert, and Greg Olson were traded for Latavius Murray and Antonio Brown. So this is a tough one, right? So Brown is obviously the best player in this trade by far, but he's just also the player that's just full of enormous risk, right? As you guys know, if you've been following me, I sold all of my AB shares last offseason when he started acting crazy. I dumped him on my, the two rosters where I had him and traded him, got, got rid of him. I want him out. I don't trust him. And I doubt that he's going to, keep his mind, you know, and learn the, quote, patriot way and stay off the commissioner's exempt list. Um, but if he does, that side clearly wins the trade. On the other side of the trade, uh, DJ Chark is really impressed and appears to be the number one wide receiver in Jacksonville and played incredible uh, tonight. So he's a rising dynasty asset for sure. Mostert, I don't think, is ever going to become the number one running back for the 49ers, uh, but this team that, that, trade, that made this trade had Tevin Coleman, so it's somewhat of a kind of handcuff-ish, given that, that Matt Breed is really, the I believe, is the lead running back there in San Francisco. And the Olsen piece really was an injury-related move for this team, uh, coming out of retirement. Um, I mean, Olsen is either an injury or a, just a play away from like retiring, I think, um, kind of a retirement waiting to happen. But his team just lost Hunter Henry, so he was in tight end need. So I see why this guy was going after Mostert, uh, given Tevin Coleman, going after Olsen, given Hunter Henry that he had on his team with injury, and of course DJ Chark, just a legit like rising dynasty receiver. So this is a pretty even trade, I think, um, given the risk part of it. Um, it could look very lopsided, though, 
very, very lopsided, depending on what happens with Brown. So this is a pretty interesting trade. Whatever happens to Brown is going to turn this trade to be lopsided one way or the other for sure. Hey, I appreciate you guys giving a listen. Uh, that's it for this week. As always, make it a two-week or make it a, a, a two-way conversation anytime by contacting me at Dynasty Freaks. That's Freaks with two E's at gmail.com. Dynasty Freaks at gmail.com, or just contact me through the website, uh, DynastyFreaks.com. I appreciate you giving a listen. Would love it if you would rate and review. We don't have any new rate and reviews for this week to report on. Uh, that would really help a lot. I'd appreciate it if you would go on iTunes and do so. Until next time, though, you know what to do. Go out there. Get freaky. Thanks for listening to the Dynasty Freaks podcast with your host, Justin Christopher. We welcome your thoughts and advice. Let us know what you'd like to hear on the podcast or see on the website to help you dominate your league. Justin prides himself in responding to every email, so hit him up anytime at dynastyfreaks at gmail.com and follow him on Twitter at LonghornJustin. Justin.